and welcome to another episode of the Breachside Broadcast, home of the finest foxcasting either side of the breach. Today, we have a very special episode in store for you. With today's story, we leave the crossroads behind us. We have made our choice and we travel ever onward. But rest assured, loyal listener, this is not the end of Tales of Malifaux. Far from it, for I can already sense the ripples of fate coming our way. You're in for a treat in the coming weeks. But for now, curl up with a warm mug of hot chocolate and enjoy tonight's tale, right after this word from our sponsor. This episode of the Breesar Broadcast is brought to you by the Flowering Plum. We're the only watering hole in Malifaux to serve liquor straight from the fermented river temple. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. This alcohol is used by the monks to relax their bodies and minds in preparation for meditation and combat. You too could gain the strength and coordination for which the monks of the fermented river are famous. Drop by for a round at the flowering plum and find out what it's like to be attuned to the universe. Heart of the Dawn by Mark Rogers The monks stood in clusters on the wide stone plaza, each group eyeing the others with expressions ranging from careful neutrality to outright hostility. Each was a skilled master of his own temple style and wasted no affection on the others. At the head of the plaza, Yu watched with a peaceful smile on his broad face. Every ten years we come together to search for the rare blossoms in this tangle of thorns, those gifted enough to offer themselves for the honour of becoming dragon host. Could he be seeking a new host so soon? The thought settled on his mind like a dragonfly on water, causing his brow to furrow slightly. Such times bring great competition and true warriors, but such treacherous politics too. He shooed the idea away before the ripples could spread and spoil his calm. His expression tranquil, he took several steps towards the assembled monks, who fell silent and turned to face him almost reverentially. Yu smiled widely at the effect his reputation had. They can have their power in politics, he thought. I have never needed more than my students. He gestured to three monks, each from a different temple. You, you, and you, attack me. Surprised, the three stepped forward slowly and bowed to you. He returned the bow politely. The high river monk charged at you the moment the formalities were done, the other two hesitating momentarily. They soon followed, using the high river monk's assault to cover their own attacks. You moved between them almost casually, leaving all three sprawled on the stone floor of the training ground without breaking a sweat. 
He turned back to the rest of the monks, still smiling. So, you all understand why that happened, yes? He carried on after a moment of silence. You all fear the fire of High River, so they must be the strongest, yes? He indicated for one of them to step forward, and continued talking as he blocked the blows the monks hurled at him. Truly the fire burns hot, but what does the wind care of this? Yu changed his stance, adopting Wandering River style. He swirled easily around the attacking monk, making a swift flurry of delicate strikes that dropped the High River monk mid-kick. So wind must be the strongest, yes? He gestured to a monk from the Wandering River Temple, who stepped forward reluctantly. They bowed, this time with you attacking in the High River style. The monk fended off the blows as best he could, then took his chance to attack when you settled into a more defensive posture. The wind is strong against fire, but what can it do against the earth? You called to the class. As the monk attacked again, Yu set his weight firmly. The monk's strike was knocked away, Yu stamping one foot as his forearm swung up and slammed into the monk's chest, launching him onto his back several feet away. So perhaps earth is the strongest, yes? He saw the other temples shift uneasily, and his smile widened. You begin to see then. Wind cannot touch the earth, that water can wear it away. In turn, the water is weak to fire. So, we have a circle that does not end, yes? To become truly skilled, one must harness all the elements. Then one can learn the final element between the others, and understand how to balance the four. This mastery of the void between elements is the mark of someone worthy of becoming Dragon Host. High on the stairs that rose from the plaza, Shen Long stood unnoticed. His sharpened senses let him watch and listen to the class below as you proceeded with the lessons. I remember this well. Twice I came to the Five River Takai as a master of the High River before you chose me. One day you will grant another the honor of becoming Dragon Host, I suppose. I have no plans to discard you so swiftly, Shen Long. A human worthy of my gifts is rare indeed, and you have held them barely fifty years. I have no interest in decades of tedium waiting for another to appear. The familiar voice echoed in icy motes through his skull and down his spine. Chen Long blinked. Has it really been so long? He thought back to the first time he'd seen you as a young novice. He must be past forty now. Do the years lose their meaning so easily? Years have never had meaning. Forty years of life is not a prize to guard jealously like some bauble. It is a mere eye-blink. Now if you are finished daydreaming, perhaps we can get on. Chen Long shook his head clear of the memories, nodded, and strode down the steps toward the gathered monks.
Shenlong's arrival on the plaza caused an expanding ring of confusion as monks stopped to look. Yu's sharp command sent them scrambling into neat rows, leaving the front half of the plaza empty, except for Shenlong and Yu, who was holding a very careful bow. Sensei, he said in acknowledgement. Yu held the bow for a few more seconds, but Shenlong didn't wait for him to straighten before continuing. I will take three monks, each deserving of a trial against the enemies of the dragon. Of course, my lord dragon, Yu said smoothly, turning to the students. They had almost perfectly managed to separate themselves by temple again. He noted the few that were stood amongst the other temples. Already some begin to lose aspects of their temple identity. They will be valuable warriors indeed, given time. Not coin worth spending today, though, I think. A student with his mind divided is weakened, at least until he learns the balance of five elements. He looked at Chen Long, checking the dragon host hadn't noticed his gaze. What tasks do we have for them, Lord Dragon? There was a momentary pause, as if Shen Long was listening to something no one else could hear. Aggression. Then the Lord Dragon will wish for students of the High River, yes? You asked, knowing the answer already. He turned to the lines of orange-robed monks, checking the best students were in the cluster. One was not, though out the corner of his eye he could see him surrounded by the pale grey of the wandering river. Inwardly, you smiled. A surprise, but a welcome one. Not you, then. He indicated the best three of the cluster and presented them to Shen Long, who nodded briefly and strode away across the plaza. The chosen three trailed him with a mixture of pride and awe. When they were out of earshot of the rest of the class, Shen Long turned to them. We go to Malifaux, to an ancient ruin to claim a prize for the dragon himself. We will take it from whoever possesses it. Do you accept this honor? The three bowed deeply and long. Without saying anything more, the group set off towards the small but well-hidden and guarded breach that flickered at the base of the valley. In silence they crossed into Malifaux, heading straight into the forests. Chen Long didn't even glance back at the monks until the distant sounds of battle reached their ears. He signaled for them to halt and padded alone to investigate. Chen Long smiled mirthlessly as he watched a soldier dragged to the ground by several young Nephilim, their weight and beating wings too much to stand against. Crouching unobserved on the hillside, he watched as several pairs of talons sliced through the man's expensive-looking armor with ease. Hard armor does nothing for a weak man, he thought scornfully. He shifted his weight, stretching his legs a little to keep them from stiffening, then returned to watching the battle. He felt the heart-crawling sensation of the dragon's irritation building down his back. Retrieve the artifact and let us be done with these creatures. It is easier to wait until we only need to fight one enemy, particularly one already weakened, he thought. The prickling swelled up his neck and into his head in response. I do not bestow my power on you to make your life easy. It is a simple task, and has already taken far too long. Chen Long gritted his teeth. Being the host granted many gifts, 
but he had learned over the years it also came with disadvantages. I will not fail you, dragon of the stars. It will be more certain that they cannot escape with it if they are few in number, and we are not distracted by the others. In a clearing below, the soldiers were slowly pushing the Nephilim back from the ruins. The soldiers ran forward two at a time, dropping into defensive positions to fire on the screeching beasts, while the next pair ran past them into new positions. Chen Long watched them with interest for a while longer, quietly noting their tactics. They are well disciplined, he said in his mind, precise and carefully coordinated. There will be an interesting tactical fight for us. What is so interesting to you about swatting insects? You face them with ancient power in your veins. What can mortals do except die? Chen Long bit back his instinctive response before the thought could fully form. Where is it? He thought carefully instead. In answer, the dragon swung his head to the right a little, leaving Shen Long looking straight at a heavy wooden crate filled with straw. In it sat a glossy black lump, a little smaller than a human head. He felt a thrill chase over the scales tattooed across his body, down his arms to leave his fingers itching to touch the object. There. It may be small, but unlike the rest of the situation, it is actually relevant. Shrugging, Shen Long swung his head back to the fight, as a disciplined salvo of gunfire tore through several of the young Nephilim, dark blood sizzling where it splashed the stones. Their conversation stopped for a moment as a massive, mature Nephilim burst from the forest, bearing down on the battle on broad, leathery wings. The moment its feet touched the ground, it charged straight into the ruins with a roar that shook the stones. A few shots rang out as it charged, slicing through the wing membranes, but it reached the first line of men almost unharmed. One of the soldiers was flung headlong into the remains of a stone wall by a backhand swipe, the other hurled to the floor and stamped on with a heavy hooved foot. The rips in the mature's wings prevented it from flying over the barricades and walls, but it still closed in on the rest of the soldiers surprisingly fast for such a heavily built creature. Chen Long smiled inwardly to the dragon as he watched the behemoth smash through a crumbling wall, nearly ending up on top of the men as they scrambled back. Do you not find the prospect of facing that beast in battle even remotely thrilling? To test my skills against the mightiest enemies we can find in any world and taste victory. I have watched you kill powerful things numerous times in recent decades. It stopped being a surprise many years ago as it did with all your predecessors. Here they are a different shape, but the same tired fare. I care not if you kill them or let them live. Standing in a dead end hidden from view of the advancing Nephilim, two soldiers were waiting silently for the others to lead the Nephilim into their line of fire. One was armed like the rest, but the other wore a heavy pack hooked to a fat-barreled weapon that Shenlong couldn't recognize from where he crouched. As the Nephilim passed the wall that hid the two soldiers, the retreating men flung themselves into cover. They turned suddenly to face the Nephilim, firing rapidly enough that even the mature slowed its pace. That left the Nephilim packed close together in full view of the hidden men as the heavily armed soldier raised the muzzle of his strange gun. A torrent of liquid fire belched from the tip, dark orange and wreathed in oily smoke. 
The roar of the inferno was almost enough to drown out the screeching of the young Nephilim as they burned. The mature howled deafeningly, wings burning as they beat the air desperately, unable to do anything to the flames that clung to its body. The soldier kept the fire flowing for several seconds, before releasing the trigger and backing off into the maze of walls, away from the enraged and burning behemoth. I guess I'll have to hope the soldiers are worthy opponents, Shenlong thought a little sourly, as the mature Nephilim sank to the ground, smoke still rising from the blackened flesh. Then he smiled maliciously. But if that flame is their secret weapon, you should at least be pleased they won't take long to deal with. He rose to his feet and gestured sharply to the monks, issuing them orders in a curt whisper. You, go wide and attack from the other side. Strike when they are dealing with me. He didn't wait for an acknowledgement. You and you, come with me. The first monk strode swiftly into the trees to circle round, the other two moving to stand one pace behind Shen Long as he turned away. He smiled again, feeling the dragon coil through his muscles in anticipation, before pushing through the undergrowth towards their target. You may get your wish, Shen Long, the dragon warned as he reached the last of the trees. I sense magics in their midst. With a few surviving Nephilim fleeing back to the forest, the Freikorps regrouped at the edge of the ruins. They kept back from the trees, maintaining clear firing lanes to prevent any further ambushes. Frank stripped off his helmet, shaking his head in the fresh air, enjoying the cooling breeze. The corpsman next to him reached for the clasps of his own headgear when Franks caught his wrist, stopping him. Hold it, rookie. I bet we aren't safe yet. The other corpsman froze guiltily for a second, and then shook off Frank's hand. Says the man is out of uniform already. What are you thinking? The only reason to take your lid off is... He trailed off as Franks turned the helmet to face him, showing him the web of cracks across the visor, and shook his head ruefully. Haven't you learned to duck yet? We've been in the corps for, what, three years? You break your glass most every time we get into the thick... Rooks, Franks, get over here. Since you're in parked kit, get off the defense line. I want that thing in the box and secured for transport before anything else comes for it, the captain barked. The corpsman jogged over and began the delicate process of packing the black lump into the crate. The task was made significantly more difficult because of their orders. Under no circumstances was anyone to touch the artifact. It had to be lifted in a leather sling, with both men keeping their distance. Packing the straw around it without getting too close had turned out to be a long and irritating task. There was a crack of branches as a bare-chested man stepped into view a short distance away. He moved calmly and easily towards the Freikorps position, a confident smile on his face. Three of the corps men raised their pistols, keeping them trained on the stranger, and two other men clad in orange robes who emerged from the trees behind him. Stop there, civilian! The team's captain commanded the newcomers as he joined the defensive line. The three stopped walking, giving the captain time to assess the situation more carefully. Who are these guys? He hissed to the men either side of him. One of them shrugged imperceptibly, 
But the other answered after a brief pause. The guys at the back look like those weird pacifist monks from the Free Kingdoms, I think. They wear blue, not orange, don't they? And why would a pacifist be wandering about with someone like that? One of the others asked quietly. The captain gestured sharply for silence, then raised his own pistol as the bare-chested man took another confident step down the slope towards the ruins. This area is unsafe. If you come any closer, we'll be forced to fire on you. The man stopped and gazed at the captain, a look of amusement on his face. He stretched his chest and shoulders and tilted his head first to one side, then the other, never looking away from the captain. The sound of his joints cracking seemed lost in the stillness of the moment. His body, from his waist to the top of his shaven head, was covered in broad bands of gold-brown tattoos resembling scales. As he flexed his muscles, the scales seemed to shift and move, like a live dragon was woven into his skin. He smiled wider, his expression tinged with malevolence, and very deliberately started walking towards them. The orange-clad monks stalked forward with him, keeping their places behind him. The fry corps took aim as he moved, the captain calling once more for him to stop. His smile never faltering, the bare-chested monk turned his body slightly to bring one shoulder forward, but kept stalking toward them. The captain watched for a couple of seconds, then gave the order to fire. The first shots were almost simultaneous, and perfectly aimed for the leader's heart. The monk twisted further, drifting aside swiftly but almost casually. All four rounds tore through the empty air to strike the trees beyond. The Freikorps fired again as soon as they were ready, a series of sharp barks rather than one chorus. One of the rogue monks crumpled with a gurgle into the undergrowth as a round hit him just below the neck. The leader swayed forward and dropped low, then vaulted backwards into the air, his head below his feet and one hand slamming onto a fallen log. Back arched and legs straight, his body swung over the log as more rounds cut the air around him, one leaving a shallow tear across his chest. The Frykor held their fire as he landed neatly on the uneven ground. Slowly, he turned to face them. I am Shen Long, master of the Valley of Five Rivers. I will have that box. The monk pointed one hand at the artifact in its crate, a thin trickle of blood meandering down his chest from the wound. The captain raised his hand to signal another attack as Shenlong settled into a loose stance, eyes closed. The breeze died away, leaving the tableau motionless for a brief moment. Shenlong's eyes snapped open, and he thrust his palms towards the Frykor. A blast of wind forced the corpsman to brace against it or be knocked back. Chen Long and the monk were amongst them before they could recover, the gale carrying them swiftly into the Frykor lines. The monk landed at a run, orange robes swirling. He charged into the leftmost corpsman, a flurry of blows ringing off the metal and leather plates of the soldier's armour. The corpsman's pistol was useless in the face of this assault. He could do nothing except fend off the onslaught, looking for a chance to get clear and draw his knife. The captain felt rather than saw Shenlong's blow coming. He turned with it, deflecting some of the force, but it still sent him reeling to the ground. Instinct caused him to roll aside and unsheath his knife a moment before a bare foot slammed into the stone, accompanied by another blast of wind he could feel wash over him. 
As he came up into a crouch, he barely had time to get his bearings before Shen Long was on him again, forcing the captain to use every scrap of his training to stay alive. Shen Long, eyes narrowed and a snarl on his face, attacked with ruthless brutality, hammering at the captain until his guard opened and the powerful blows started taking effect. The captain defended as best he could, his emotionless mask echoing his measured precise movements. When he saw an opening, he used feints and quick strikes to slice at his opponent before dropping back into his defense. These swift attacks had left a series of deep cuts in Shen Long's upper arms, thighs, and across his ribs, but it didn't seem to have slowed the relentless assault. The road monk slowed his assault, as Rook and Franks ran to support their beleaguered comrade. The trio of corpsmen circled around the monk, blades bared. Before any of them could attack, the monk sprang at Franks and swept a foot up into one of the corpsmen's wrists, sending his knife tumbling. In barely more than a heartbeat, a second kick followed the first, slamming into Franks' unarmored head and lifting him from his feet. The monk turned just in time to spoil the first corpsman's aim, the curved blade sliding deep into his shoulder instead of his neck. The three were still trying to find openings in each other's guard when the captain tumbled over a low rubble wall, pulling Shen Long with him. The captain landed on his back and scrambled upright as Shen Long rolled smoothly to his feet, both oblivious to the other melee nearby. Seeing this, Rook leapt towards them and swung his knife down at Shen Long's bare head. There was a wet thud of metal on flesh. For a moment it seemed to the captain that the fight might be over. Blood flowed in narrow streams down Shen Long's flesh, from where the blade had bitten deep into his raised forearm. He turned his lowered head to the corpsman, fury suffusing his face. How dare you, he snarled twisting into a punch that flung Rook back into a pillar, his chest plate dented by the force. The captain saw his moment and darted forward to attack, but Shen Long seemed to blur sideways as another gust of wind flung him towards the pillar and the dazed Rook. The captain pulled his wasted strike back just in time to see Shen Long twist into a kick, his heel smashing into Rook hard enough to shake the pillar and split his damaged chest armor. Shen Long turned away, uninterested in the body that slowly crumpled to the ground. He sought out the captain. Impudence! You are their master. Only once you are finished is it their turn. He attacked without warning, and the captain lost his footing as he turned the blow. Shen Long loomed over him, raising a calloused foot for a final strike. Out of the corner of his eye, the captain could see the orange-robed monk nearby, his heel planted in the helmet of a corpsman. He heard a heavy click and the sound of gushing liquid, rapidly overtaken by a roaring noise. His vision filled with fire as he rolled and scrambled away, his suit protecting him from the flames. This close he couldn't hear anything but the raging inferno and a very faint scream of agony. He panted for breath as Jans kept the flammenwerfer at full spread the roiling blaze sucking in air from around him. 
The oily smoke and swirling pyre made it impossible to see what was happening. So after almost ten seconds, the captain signaled Jans to stop. The smoke cleared, and the flames began to die down, except on the seared corpse of the orange-robed monk and on the body of Shen Long. Behind his visor, the captain's eyes widened in shock as Shen Long turned his head slowly towards him. Shen Long was still standing, fire coiling round his form. It had charred the ends of his trousers and sash, but he appeared otherwise unharmed. It seemed to writhe around him, twisting into a vaguely reptilian head. He drew a deep breath in, pulling the flames into his lungs, and his eyes changed, the pupils mere slits in a sea of gold. He changed stance with a snap, pale golden light blazing from his fists, and lunged. The captain heard the distant sound of his back hitting stone as the world faded to embers and silence. Chen Long stalked the ruins the dragon's power surging around his body looking for release. The last few corpsmen were playing a stalling game of cat and mouse, which irritated both him and the dragon immensely. For several minutes, there had been no sign of the cowards, save for muffled creaks and footfalls. He heard the scuffling noise of boots on the other side of a wall and braced himself to break through the stones. When a hollow clang and a strange roaring thump made the wall vibrate. A tongue of oily fire licked briefly over the top of the wall, accompanied by a heavy rolling cloud of smoke. Sprinting lightly to a gap in the wall, Shen Long vaulted across to find the source of the flame. The corpsman that had been carrying the flamethrower was sprawled against some fallen stone, burning puddles all around him. A cursory glance told Chen Long he'd been struck in the head and his fuel tank had been punctured. He recognized the imprint of a studded knuckle plate in the dented armor and smiled coldly. It seems there is more than one cat in this game still. This game you are enjoying so much is wasting time. Collect the artifact so we are done here. You are unusually keen to leave, Great Dragon. Chen Long smiled inwardly feeling the dragon's impatience tinged with caution. What is it that concerns you about this world? There are things here I do not wish to draw the attention of. Mentally, Shen Long cocked an eyebrow at the dragon. There was a brief silence. They would waste a great deal of time, and my patience is not infinite. There was still an uncomfortable squirming sensation in Shen Long's back, as he rounded a corner to find the last monk. He was slumped moaning against a low wall, blood running down his mask and clogging the slits. Chen Long caught the monk's forearm, quickly assessing the injuries to his hands and wrists. Defensive wounds, he muttered scornfully, dropping the stunned monk's arm. Disgraceful. A faint shockwave in the air made him turn. Another corpsman, female by the look of her armor, was standing between him and the last two corpsmen as they tried to pack the artifact up for transport. The strange pulsing was coming from her, 
distorting his senses and throwing off his focus. A sudden surge in the pulse caused him to instinctively raise his arms, the energy slamming into his palms. Chen Long flinched, glancing at one of his hands and the patterns of burns that covered it. Defensive wounds, Shen Long, the dragon asked sweetly. Disgraceful was the word you used, I believe. Chen Long growled rather than replying, clenching his fists and channeling fire into them. Movement to his right caught his eye as the previously stunned monk charged into the fray, forcing the magic user to split her attention between them. Smiling wolfishly, Chen Long swung to the left and launched himself at the female as well. Let's see how you fight when you can't cheat with magics, witch, he snarled in his mind. She fell back, moving to try and keep the pair from getting on her flanks. She fights how she needs to in order to distract you, you fool. Have you forgotten your objective? The dragon's sharp rebuke caused Chen Long to slow his attack, as he realized she was simply drawing the pair of monks off and delaying them from reaching the artifact. The librarian was panting heavily inside her armor, her mask stifling and damp against her face. She saw Shen Long turn his attention back to the artifact and groaned. So close, Jaina. You just had to keep him distracted for another few minutes. Hope you've got enough left for another shot. She flung herself aside as another flurry of blows came from the masked monk, flinging a cloud of dirt into his blood-slicked mask. Jaina used the brief respite as he tried to clear his vision to hurl a pulse of magic at Shen Long's back. She grimaced in satisfaction as she saw him stumble for a step and turn his eyes back on her. The golden orbs narrowed with anger. He took a predatory step forward before freezing in place, a voice that didn't seem natural echoing from his open mouth. Enough! Chen Long's tattoos began to shift and writhe as he shuddered. Light blazed out of his eyes and mouth, his skin glowing with twisting golden fire. It grew so bright she could barely see his body. He seemed to grow to twice her height, a long, sinuous body with an equine reptilian face that emanated power and fury. Jaina felt like she was staring at the sunrise. The tremendous beast stared down at her, then looked across at the other two corpsmen who were trying to raise their pistols while carrying the now-sealed crate. Is he even still in there? Jaina wondered, sprinting across to her comrades. She felt the burning eyes on her again and raised her hands to deflect the fire she knew was coming. The searing face drew back a little, tilting to the sky. The dragon howled. The noise slammed into Jaina's mind, wiping away the power she had gathered. She sank to her knees helplessly. Thoughts that did not feel like her own flooded her head. Fighting this beast would be like declaring war on the dawn itself. What could she, a lowly, insignificant mortal, do against such power and majesty?
The dragon smiled darkly at the three immobile core men kneeling in their scorched armor. His form shifted and writhed, golden light flickering and fading as he drew his form back into Shenlong. Talon claws became feet that stepped down from the air to stand in front of the crate. One last burst of flame splintered the crate so that human hands could lift the gleaming black orb from the wreckage. A faint, shuddering sob caught Shenlong's ear. He turned his head away from the orb and saw the slow rise and fall of the female's chest. A ripple of surprise and annoyance chased up his arms and into his chest as the dragon noticed as well. The single surviving High River monk turned, raising his fist to finish her. She survived you, Dragon of the Stars. I do not wish to slay such a warrior so cheaply. Shenlong gestured to the monk who stepped back warily. Prize in hand, the two walked away into the trees silently. The only sound left in the ruins, the soft whimpers of the librarian. That's it for another episode of the Breachside Broadcast. Join us next time for more Tales of Malifaux.